Welcome to Nurturing Bright Futures, the higher education podcast for teachers and advisors, brought to you by UEA. Each month, we provide the latest information you need to guide your students through their journey to university, plus hints and tips to help support you in your work. We know you're busy, so we keep each episode to around 20 minutes, just long enough for a cup of coffee. So, pop the kettle on and let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of Nurturing Bright Futures, the higher education podcast from UEA. My name's Alex and this month I'm really pleased to be joined by Hannah. Hi Hannah. Hello everybody. So Hannah, students will have obviously got their applications in now for UCAS and they'll be busy trying to decide which options to put as firm and which as an insurance. So I was just wondering if you could give us some advice that might help them to make their mind up. Yes. So firstly, it's important to mention at the moment that they need to take their time. I think if we stress that universities are working through tons of applications at the moment and they will be making their way through those and getting back to students. So please do stress to students that they're still waiting to hear back, not to worry. Universities shouldn't, however, be pressurising them to be making any decisions. There will be deadlines for them to have to get back to universities in making those decisions and students will be able to see those in their UCAS track. But don't let certain factors such as accommodation um, and maybe some time pressures or the opening of application forms force students to make any of those early decisions. Um, I also think it's key to stress the importance of what fantastic opportunities and resources that universities are offering for applicants at the moment to really help in that decision making process. And it's important to just encourage your students to make the most of, of what is on offer. Unfortunately, some of the circumstances this year mean at the moment students for those applicant days that they would have attended in person, they aren't able to attend those and we're moving to virtual platforms and you know on behalf of UEA we've been working really hard to still offer so much information for students but also lots of universities are offering webinars, taster lectures and a lot of virtual resources to help students make those decisions. If you do have any UEA applicants and you're listening to today's podcast they will be sent a personalised link to their virtual applicant day so specifically to them Um, they will be able to explore through a field of resources and information to help with that decision making. We also have a platform called Ask a Student and Ask an Academic and we've just recently launched our Ask an Advisor and this is a bit more for those more general HE queries that students may have. Basically, we're just trying to give you plenty of opportunities to get in touch at a time that suits them. They can pop onto our website and access those platforms. And it's through a a friendly and informal messaging service. I think really what I want to say to help students make their minds up is to maximise the information that's out there, Alex. We want them to be really making sure it's still an educated decision. So loads of information that students can access from us and other universities. That's a great roundup. Thanks, Hannah. And for the links to things like Ask an Academic and Ask an Advisor, I'll pop those in the show notes. Nurturing Bright Futures, the higher education advice podcast for teachers and advisors. Brought to you by UEA. So this month, we're going to be taking a look at a healthcare course that is perhaps less well known than others, such as nursing. It's called Operating Department Practice or ODP. And I'm delighted to welcome Stan Swanepoel, course director for ODP at our School of Health Sciences, and also Jenny Smith, a former UEA ODP student 
So hello both. Hello. Hi, nice to be here. So Stan, if we can start with you, could you tell us what an ODP is? Some people describe ODP as being the Swiss army knife of the operating theatre or the healthcare system. There's only about 13,000 of us in the country. Every single operating theatre in the country requires ODPs to be part of the theatre team. And the reason we this Swiss Army knife is that we be able to turn our hand from working in the anaesthetic room, we're helping the anaesthetist for a moment, uh, to the next minute we could be in the operating theatre helping the surgeon, or we could be asked to recover a patient. Uh, and so the, Really, the role encompasses all three key areas that are involved in looking after someone who's going for an operation, during the operation, and afterwards. But it also involves some of the other bits that people sometimes forget about. It's like the, the moment you walk through that door, or the moment your bed comes through the door to the anaesthetic room, where you're nervous, you're apprehensive, you're not quite sure what the operation is, is going to mean for you, even though you might know that you need the operation. And to see somebody there who's smiling and uses your name and introduces themselves to you and builds up a rapport with you in, in a matter of seconds, it's really, really important because what the patient is doing when they come through the operating theatres is they're asking you to look after their life. We're going to give that patient an anaesthetic. We're going to make them completely unconscious. We're going to paralyze them with drugs uh, so that we can do the operation. And you and the anaesthetist are going to be the two people looking after that person, making sure that they are oxygenated, that they're warm, that they're comfortable, that their pressure area uh, is maintained. Uh, that we're looking after all those sensitive parts of the body that could get damaged uh, if you lay still for too long. All of that is being done by a complete stranger that you've never met before. And so the ODP is, is part of the team that is the advocate for that patient. If we're working on the surgical side, we're working hand in hand with the surgeon. We have to anticipate the needs of the surgeon. We have to understand the surgery that they're trying to attempt and why they're doing that surgery so that we can preempt anything that they might um, ask for. We can have the instruments ready before they ask for them. And we're going one step ahead of the surgeon the whole time. We're working that closely with them. You're almost becoming a mind reader to the surgeon or the anaesthetist during that perioperative phase. And then if we, we have some staff or some ODPs who work in recovery, or it may be that for one reason or another, we recover the patients in the operating theatre at the end of the procedure. And, and then you're looking after the patient again, reassuring them, comforting them, helping them to come to terms with the procedure that they've just had, and returning them from that state where they were essentially the same as an intensive care patient to getting them to be fit enough to be a ward patient again. So we, we're looking after people for that hour to an hour and a half or two hours, however long may, it may be, to, to make sure that, that patient is not only fit enough to get back to the ward, but it, it's safe for them to go back to that ward. So those, those three areas are really the key areas of being an operating department practitioner. Based on those key responsibilities and, and tasks, 
Mm-hmm. What kind of person would you say makes a good ODP? There's not one particular type, because you can imagine we have people who will work in, in various specialities, that be that plastic surgery, gynae surgery, obstetrics, orthopedics. Each one of us has a, an area within the operating theatre that appeals to us. And, and within that, all our different personality types will will suit different areas, some more so than others. But the thing that is universal is that we like to have attention to detail. We work well as teams. We, we can't work on our own. The surgeon can't work on their own. The anaesthetist can't work on their own. We all have to work as a team. But you'll find that most ODPs will agree that you have to have a strong sense of your own self and your own your own identity to work within a team where nobody else can do your job, but at the same time, you have to understand and appreciate everybody else's role within that team. Being able to work for hours and hours on end, focusing on something that is, is quite particular and unique uh, is, is quite a skill. And, and so those those are qualities that we look for. We want people who are tenacious. We want people that will stand up and, and speak up. Uh, we want people who can concentrate for a long time. The other skills of the six C's are the caring, the compassion, and the courage. Those are all wrapped up within that. But we also want to see people coming into the role who can think for themselves, problem solvers, and when you can imagine that when you're in an operating theatre, that if something untoward were to happen, you only have a few minutes to react to that. You haven't got time to pause and think and ponder. You, you need to be fairly decisive. And to our teachers and advisors who are listening and are maybe thinking about speaking to certain students and maybe encouraging a course like ODP, mm-hmm. could you tell us a bit of an overview about the course. So the, the new degree programme is a three-year BSc honours degree. We're looking for two Bs and a C at A-level. Uh, what we're going to be doing is giving the students a 50-50 split between theory and practice. Um, within that, one of the modules they'll be working with uh, or studying with paramedics, opera, uh, occupational therapists, physiotherapists, uh, so it's a very much a multi-professional role within within the theatres, and we're mimicking that with our teaching philosophy and within our teaching practices. Uh, one module is all about the practice environment and, and learning those skills and the technical skills of being an operating department practitioner. And then we have the sciences, so the biosciences and um, the physics. So we're looking for people who may have a an interest in maths, they may have an interest in science, they may have an interest in doing things with their hands. Um, myself, at one time when I was at school, I quite fancied being a carpenter. I like using my brain, I like using my hands, I like thinking and I like problem solving. So those are the kinds of skills that are essential in an operating theatre. And if a, if a teacher or a college out there has students with those kinds of skills, but they're not quite sure where they want to go with them. An operating theatre is a perfect place because you have to work with people. You have to manage other people. You have to manage yourself. You have to problem solve. So all of these are innate within that within that, within that role. It's not, not a unidimensional profession. 
And if students do choose to study your DP, could you talk a little bit about whether there are any good job prospects for them when they graduate? Like I said earlier, there's there's only about 13,000 ODPs in the country and the amount of surgery that takes place in the UK is phenomenal. And because of that, there's almost no hospital in the country that isn't running a constant vacancy for ODPs. You may you may not be able to. So for my myself, I, I always like to work in orthopedics. If I chose to choose, uh, go to another city or another town in, in the UK and get a job in a hospital there, it may not be in orthopedics within the operating theatres, but there will be a job in the operating theatres and then I can just move into orthopedics as and when. Our track record is that at the UEA is that those who want a job will get a job. And uh, we'll speak to Jenny shortly. You'll hear that the role has also expanded because the skills that we have in looking after unconscious patients and, and assisting with airway management and airway emergencies means that ODPs are now sought after in A&E departments and intensive care units and also resuscitation officers within hospitals. More and more of those roles are being filled by ODPs. So in, in terms of career prospects, they're not only expanding within the hospitals uh, in the operating theatres in terms of promotion into management, but also expanding outwards from the operating theatres into other departments. Subscribe to our podcast now and make sure you never miss another episode. So now we've heard about the ODP course, if I can bring you in, Jenny, could you please tell us a bit about your experience of studying ODP? So, yes, I was fortunate enough to be accepted onto the ODP course back in 2008. Um, so I've been qualified for a little while now. And from the get-go, the course was very hands-on, which suited me down to the ground because I'm very much a, a learner who likes to do things, as well as you know reading the books and everything else that goes with it. But because the course was so hands-on, it was something I enjoyed doing. You said you started your studies in 2008, which I believe meant that you would have done the two-year diploma and then qualified in 2010. Could you talk a bit about where your career has taken you since you finished your studies? Yes, so when I qualified in 2010, I was fortunate enough to get a job in paediatrics, Maxfax, Head and Neck and ENT theatres, which was one of my favourite placements as a student. So I was very fortunate to work there for seven years after I qualified. Um, I enjoyed every minute of it. I felt like I was working with a new family, really. But after seven years, I was looking for something else just to broaden my knowledge base, really. Um, challenge myself a little bit more, see what else was out there available for me as an ODP. And an opportunity came up to move over to critical care. My role over critical care involves me being part of the cardiac arrest team for the hospital. So I attend all the cardiac arrest calls throughout the hospital. I get called down to A&E Research to attend trauma calls, as well as airway assistant calls wherever required throughout the hospital. But whilst I'm on critical care, I can assist with procedures on the unit. So whether that's line insertions, that could also be um, bronchoscopy procedures. So looking down 
airways and helping to clear them out, as well as providing airway support to the doctors on critical care itself. Although my role isn't at the bedside looking after a patient one-to-one, we provide support for the nurses as well as the doctors throughout the whole critical care department. That's really interesting and, and insightful, I'm sure, for those that are listening to hear where your studies have taken you and obviously how that is put into action in your day-to-day life and, and your role as a result of, of your studies. I just finally want to touch on um, if the teachers and advisors who are listening um, today and have students who might be interested in studying ODP, what advice would you give to those? It's a fascinating course. There's lots of wonderful opportunities out there. If you've got somebody who likes working in teams, who's good at communication, who enjoys doing jobs with their hands, so like Stan was saying earlier, then I'd definitely say look into it. I'm very pleased that it's something that I went into. Email schools at uea.ac.uk to find out what we can do to support your school. Thanks so much to Hannah, Stan and Jenny for joining us. That's it for this episode, but don't forget to keep checking our webinars and taster lectures at uea.ac.uk forward slash study forward slash webinars. Um, We'll be adding loads more to these over the next few weeks and months, so do keep an eye out on the listings. But otherwise, all of us in the team wish you the best of luck with welcoming your students back in the classroom this month. We hope it's the start of a slightly calmer period for you. As ever, do give us a shout if there's anything we can do to help. That's it for this month's episode of Nurturing Bright Futures. We would absolutely love to hear from you. To book a visit, make a suggestion or ask us a question. Drop us a line at schools at uea.ac.uk. Thanks for joining us.